there's a light in the window and the table spread with splendor someone standing by the open getting sick of it, I believe the Holy Spirit is getting sick of it. And I believe they're going to come a time one day and God's going to say, I've had enough. They're not going to have to put up with it anymore. Come on high. I'm waiting for that day. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the service tonight. We uh, greet you on a Wednesday night. Let's just go directly to the Word tonight. Thank you to the, the musicians. We're going to go directly to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4.
Let's just pick up the reading directly in verse 1, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So I just want you to notice the time appointed, singular time, appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, again, time as a singular, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, in the last few Wednesdays, we've been taking uh, the thought on the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Governor, John 14, 15, and 16. And, and uh, I, I think it's significant, and I've, I actually was uh, preparing last Wednesday and then listened to another service, and they're preaching the same thing, and talking to another brother in another part of the country, and they're preaching the same thing. And I, I really believe that the Lord is making things real to us. And I, I would like to say that, that the message, the message, I will say the, the lines, the verses, the, it, it is becoming more deeply imprinted. And I believe we are in a serious time. So I, I want to just, we're going to just dwell on this a little bit, but let's just have a word of prayer as we just turn to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're here tonight on a Wednesday. Lord, we can relate it to a natural life, but Lord, if we relate it to eternity, if we relate to the times we spend in prayer compared to eternity, Lord, where does that measure, the little time? And Lord, this time we've gathered how significant may this be in terms of our internal destination? So, Lord, let us make much of the time tonight. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll bless our gathering. You'll take the words that will be spoken tonight, that you'll take us into your hands. Minister to us. Grant it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. So in, in this little portion of Scripture, it speaks of the fullness of time. In other words, the law had run its course. Now the one who was the law, who was all the types, who was all the prophets, Jesus came on the scene, a man, but also a prophet, and yet more than a prophet, the fullness of the Spirit dwelt in him. He was so much, uh, he was all man, but yet he was all God. The fullness of God was in him. 
He really was the God-man. But yet, as we brought last week, is we, we need to see and remember he was a human being like we are human beings. And, and we don't know all the little things. You know, he, he suffered disappointment, discouragement, all these things. But yet, he also was, had something in him that God also places in us as a great override, as, as a governor over our lives. And so he was all man and he had to be because he was going to be the kinsman redeemer. Furthermore, he was going to be an example. He was going to be the firstborn among many brethren. And the life that he would live would begin to express God's redemptive process. In other words, it was going to be the beginning of the restoration of man's place back in dominion on earth. Where Adam had fell from, Jesus was going to be one that was going to begin a work that was going to restore not just him, but many more sons and daughters back to the place that God ordained. Not only would he be the first son that had the fullness of the Holy Ghost, he would also be the first adopted son. And when we say adopted, that would be one who would take the full position of authority, the first that would take authority and dominion over the earth. He was going to be the fulfillment of Genesis 3.16. He was the seed of the woman. He was the one that would bruise the, that who would bruise the head of the serpent. And he would be the forerunner, the first of many brethren. Now go over with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to, I'm drawing a little bit of a parallel, but I want us to link this together a little bit tonight. Uh, I could read the first number of verses in Ephesians 1. And Ephesians really parallels Joshua. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now it's not time singular, but times plural. And we really are in the fullness of times. It is it is the harvest time for the world. It is Jesus who planted a seed, and he said there was a man that followed that also planted a seed. And those seeds were in the earth, and now coming to the end of the Gentile dispensation. God coming back to the Jews. The fullness of Satan's Eden is here. The, the, the fullness for Israel, for the world systems, all these times are coming together. The fullness of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But also in that time, another manifestation of sons of God again. So he would say in verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven 
and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11. In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. This is a scripture I want to get to in part on Sunday. And so some of what we're doing are, are, are dropping some seeds and foundation today. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now I want to say that the importance of what we call the message, the tapes or the recordings, the tapes is almost outdated, but the printed page has never been of greater importance than it is today. And I would say, if not, it will become of a necessity. It will need to be very much a part of your daily diet. And, and I'm, I'm being just, I'm just making these statements, but I, it will need to be your anchor. It will need to be your absolute. It will need to be greater than just taking my thought on the matter. It will have to be something that God plants in you directly. And I will say there have been junctions within the message. 1956 was a junction for America, for America's last call as a nation. 1963 would be the opening of the book, the beginning of the revealing of the names of the sons and daughters, not just in seed form, but seeing something that anchors way back, but also takes us forward. And it would be, and if I will just make these statements, I won't be much longer in making these, but between 1956 and 1963, and I believe very much more than ever before, the message was supernatural. This was not Brother Branham's intellect. This was the mind of God. But in that time frame between 1956 and 1963, the prophet spoke messages, and, and the message that is most repeated and ministered in terms of a title was the message called, Hear Ye Him, spoken a total of 20 times between 1956 and 1963. Also spoken in that time was a greater than Solomon, 11 times. Now, all of this, and I, I want to take you to a summation that was spoken in one of those messages. Brother Ethan, if you can put the, um, the PowerPoint up just for a moment. And, and I, I want to point this, and really this could be a climax quote, but I want to bring it at the beginning before we start. And I want you to Look at this with me. But it's from the message, Hear Ye Him, in 1960. And, and I, want, I want you to think about what would be the conditions for these things. So, 
Jesus had proven to God he'd been the right kind of son. God took him up on the top of the mountain. He brought witnesses out there, heavenly witnesses, earthly witnesses. This is in Matthew chapter 17. This was what Brother Branham would refer to as the, adop- the adoption of Jesus Christ. He said, and he, and he clothed him in our immortality. And they looked up and said, his garment shined like a sun. A supernatural something had taken place. His garments glistened like the sun in its middle of the day, as white as they could be. God placed on him that robe of immortality showing that he had received him. Now in John chapter 3, Jesus had come to the river and he was baptized of John in the river and the Holy Ghost came down and identified him. And he was, he, the fullness of God was in him. But yet there was still a process that brought him to an adoption. And, and let's just follow through here. Now that's the same, that's the thing that God will do to his sons here on the earth someday. He will call you aside, church, if you'll obey him and stay on the word and believe it. And he will place into the church before the coming of Jesus Christ, he will place into the church all the powers that Christ had in him will be in the church. Can you say amen? Now, if, if we're not there yet, it's coming. And we got to move to that. And he says, all that God was, he poured into Jesus. All that Jesus was, he pours into the church. God wanting his work done, he sent it into his son, His son, wanting the work done, sent it into the church about the father's business. At that day, you'll know I am in the father, the father in me, and I in you, and you in me. And at that day, because the same power of God was in Jehovah God, it rested in Jesus Christ. That same power that rested in Jesus Christ rests in the placed sons in the body of Christ. So look at the steps he's making. Now look at the climax that this is going to come to. The placing of a son, taking him out to a certain place, having a ceremony before angels, place him positionally what he is in the body of Christ. Then that person has the authority. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. If, if, if you are watching, and I'm watching their situations, we are coming to situations that we cannot solve with our own hand, with our own power. There are situations where we are increasingly being left to depend, not on our strength, but on God's word and on God's strength. And it is not us that is doing it, but we need to learn to trust him. We need to learn to trust his word. And we need to depend on it because that's the only thing that will keep us. 
Now, look, look at this next statement. Now, the very thing that I'm speaking of will be done. There will be a power put into the church, and now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people until they speak the word, and it will create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like coming into the church now. I know it for a fact. Now, I want you to think of when he spoke this in 1960. Now, he is privy to seeing what God did in Moses. He's privy to seeing what, what happened in the Old Testament, what happened in the New Testament. He is privy to seeing what happened in South Africa when 30,000 received Jesus Christ, when healings en masse took place, when people in meetings that were, those meetings, people would say 30 miles away, they felt the power of God. Now, we think it's diminished, but yet it's being held in check, waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. God has to develop a character. He has to develop something in us that can take this and will be neutral, not have our own mind, not have our own opinion, only speak when he speaks, and that will be Christ manifest again. Now he says, I know it for a fact. Now, I don't know what the conditions will be whereby this will come. But we are seeing conditions happening and I believe as conditions are happening, I, I believe it start, should start to reflect in even our prayer life. That when we pray, we know he hears us and he will act on our prayers. Before you ever speak a word, you have to have faith. You have to have the right thoughts. And I will say this if I can challenge you a little bit. Take time to meditate on the word of God. Don't just say, okay, I got an hour for a tape, here's the hour. Sometimes shut it off as you hear something. Think about it. Meditate on it. Paul would tell Timothy, meditate on these things. And I will say, if you can, wherever you can, and you'll need to do it, you need to take time to shut off the world and, and put on that voice and say, Lord, speak to me. Now, he goes on to say this, say unto this mountain, be moved, don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you have said shall come to pass, and you can have what you said. The placing of the church in position where the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes into the church, then the critics' mouths will be shut. It will be a short time. Jesus came right off the mountain and he went straight to Calvary. Notice, it won't last long, but it will be here. You can couple that with some other quotes that Brother Brandon would say, the, the third pull that you've seen, it, it's manifest, it's known among us, now it won't be used in a great way until that council begins to tighten up. So I will say, whether people see things are happening or not, there are things that are happening. Now we can turn that off, Ethan. 
And that was a little summation. So I said that because I feel we also need to stop and drop back a little bit. And we need to say, Lord, there are services where, yeah, there, there's, there is God moving, but we also need to prepare our hearts. We need to be instructed. We need to allow everybody to come to the place. And so tonight I want to do that a little bit. And I, I'm going to play, I want to play a tape for the remainder part of the service. And I feel there's a necessity to do that from time to time because I, we need to be reminded of the voice we're under. And I believe we do it as an example for what we should do in our homes. And that's what I want to do tonight. And there are some very significant series. One of the series that Brother Branham preached was in December 1959, the Holy Ghost series. And it's, it's one that I believe is significant. And the Lord willing, Brother Andrew and I have been discussing and we're, we're bringing some of those thoughts into our youth meetings. And, and I will say to the youth, be sincere. Approach God. This is not meant to get in your face, but it's just to say, we're going to need this. And it was needed for the church then, but it's needed now more than ever. Also very important was the adoption series preached in May 1960, just after that, followed by the Church Age series in December of 1960, followed by Daniel 70 Weeks, and, and there were others, and finally the Seals. But I want to play, if I can tonight, from to correlate with these scriptures, and I, it's part of my reason for doing it is I'm taking some thoughts that just this week the Lord just really made real to me and brought me into these messages, and I said, Let's just stop. Let's listen to the context of it. So I want to play from the first service of the adoption series in May 1960. And, and this is, I think it used to be called Ephesians Parallels Joshua. But I want to play from that for about 45 minutes if we can. So, so I, I trust that. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Take the quote that's there that we shared already. Whatever it's going to be to get to there, there needs to be a foundation laid. And I, I would say, now's the time to check the foundation. Let's, let's make sure our anchor is certain. Let's make sure that not just the elders are right, but homes are right. Young people are right. Let's, let's, let's be that strong church. Let's, let's be ready for what God brings our way. I, I believe that there was, there was a scene played out in heaven, even as Jesus was there. The powers came against him, but he had to come to that place. I don't know what happened between the age of 12 years old up to the time he came to the river, but there was a lot of formative years. There was a lot of things that happened there. And I believe that we have spent a long time, but I, I believe God's going to do a short, quick work one day, friends. So let's take this time tonight. I'm going to approach that, and, and I, I'm going to have to start it. We're going to start at paragraph 42 there, Ethan, if you can, just otherwise we won't have that. We'll run out of time. You can listen to it, but I would encourage you. There's one thing very significant about this series. Two or three days before he started preaching this, God took him in a vision beyond the curtain of time, and he came back from there, and he began to preach this.
And I, I, I've, I've often gone back to it, and over the last six months, there are quotes that keep coming to me, and they're out of these messages. So I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. So start at paragraph 42, if you will. Let's listen in. You can listen to the further part at the beginning. He says some really, some, some things pertaining to beyond the curtain, and he begins to bring it to where we're at. So let's do that if we can. Go ahead. the journey and there's three stages of this journey for we are justified by faith believing on the Lord Jesus Christ forsaking the land of Egypt come out and then are sanctified through the offering of his blood washed from our sins and become pilgrims and sojourners claiming that we are seeking a land a city that's coming our promise so did Israel in the wilderness, sojourners, no place to rest, traveling night after night, following the pillar of fire, but finally come to the promised land where they settle down. That's where the believer comes. He comes first to recognition that he's a sinner. Then he is separated by the waters, the washing of the water by the blood and or the washing of the water by the word, rather, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, then being justified by faith, he becomes a partaker and a peace with God through Christ, baptized into the name of Jesus Christ to omit him into the journey. You get it? into the journey that he becomes a sojourner and a pilgrim. He's on his journey to what? A promise that God made. Israel had not yet received the promise, but they were on their journey. And without raising, please do understand that's where you, the Nazarene and pilgrim holiness and so forth fell because Israel, when they come to the spot of Kadesh Barnea, when the spies went over and said, the land is great, but some of them come back and said, we can't take it because the cities are walled up and so forth. But Joshua and Caleb stood out and said, we're more than able to take it. Because of their already signed up, documented statements, they bleed into works of grace, justification, and sanctification, and could not move any farther. And listen, that whole generation perished in the wilderness. But two that went over into the promised land and brought back the evidence that it was a goodly land and we were more than able to take it because it was God's promise. Then instead of the people going on receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking with tongues, receiving the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, signs, wonders, miracles, they felt that it would break down their tradition of doctrine. 
And what happened to it? Perished in the land. Right. But the believers, the Caleb and Joshua outfit that was going on to the promise, they moved on over into the land and took the land and settled down in the land as a possession. And we never stop that justification, sanctification. Let's go on to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's not stop at a believing on the Lord Jesus being baptized. Let's not stop because he cleaned us up from a life of sin. But now we pressed on into a position to a promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For Peter said on the day of Pentecost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So Ephesus here sets us like Joshua positioning. Do you notice Joshua, after crossing over the land and taking the land, then he divided the land. Ephraim here, Manasseh here, and this one here, Gad here, Benjamin here. He divided the land. And notice, oh, this just burns our hearts. Each one of those Hebrew mothers giving birth to those children, she spoke the very place in her labor pains where they would be positioned in the promised land. Oh, it's a great study. We could only go into it in details, which would take hours after hours. Someday when we get our church fixed, I'd just like to come and take a solid month or two. Just stay right in it. Watch when they, each one of those mothers, when she called out Ephraim, when she was in labor, positionally placed him where his feet was setting an oil. Just exactly every one of them, wherever they were at. And Joshua, not knowing this, but by inspiration, led of the Holy Spirit, after being into the promised land, give each man his promise, exactly what the Holy Spirit promised through the birth back how that God has set some in the church through the labor pains. Oh, they get tremendous sometimes. When a church is groaning under the persecution of the outside world, believing on the Lord Jesus that the promise of the Holy Ghost is just as real to us as it was to Pentecost. How they groan and cry under labor pains. But when they are born and positionally born into the kingdom of God, then the Holy Ghost has set in the church some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists. Then he's given to their speaking with tongues, interpretation of tongues, knowledge, wisdom, gifts of healing, all kinds of miracles where the church is now this is my purpose of doing this the church is always trying to take somebody else's corner 
But don't do that. You can never raise corn in Ephraim's corner if you're Manasseh's. You've got to take your place in Christ. Positionally take it. Oh, it gets deep and rich when we get in here. How that God puts one in the church to speak with tongues. Another. Now we have been taught many times we all have to speak with tongues. That's wrong. We all got to do it. No, we don't. They all didn't do one thing. Each one was, each lamb was provided and divvied up by inspiration. And each one, I can take the scriptures and show to you exactly that he put them in the place where they were supposed to be. Amen. Positionally, how that the two half tribes is to stay across the river. How that their mothers cried that in their birth. And how that each place was supposed to be. And now, after you're in, that don't mean that you're out free from war. You still have to fight for every inch of ground you stand on. So see, Canaan did not represent the great heaven because it's war and troubles and killings and fightings and so forth. But it did represent this, that it must be a perfect walk. There's where the church is failing today. On that walk. Do you know that even your own behavior can knock somebody else out of getting healed? Your misbehavior of unconfessed sins of you believers can cause this church to bitterly fail. And at the day of the judgment, you'll be responsible for every bit of it. Or you say, now, wait a minute, Brother Brandon. Well, that's the truth. Think of it. Joshua, after he crossed over into the land, God gave him the promise that just think to fight an entire campaign without losing a man, without even getting a scratch, without having to have a nurse or a first aid or a band. God said the land's yours. Go fight. Think of fighting a campaign and there's no Red Cross around at all. There's nobody going to get hurt. And they slayed the Amorites and the Hatites, but there wasn't one hurt among any of them until sin come in the camp. And when Achan took that Babylonian garment and that gold wedge and hid it under his camp, then the next day they lost 16 men. Joshua said, stop. Stop! Wait a minute, there's something wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah, we're going to call seven days of fast. God made us a promise. There will be nothing hurt as our enemies will fall at our feet. And there's something wrong here. Something went wrong somewhere. Because we got 16 dead men laying here. They're Israelite brothers and they're dead. Why did they die? Innocent man. Because one man stepped out of the line. You see reason this needs to be taught? The church lining up. Lining up with the word of God. Lining up with God. Lining up with each other. 
walking perfectly upright, soberly before all men, fearing God. Because one man stole a garment and done something that he should not done, took the life of 16 men. I think it was 16, maybe more. I believe it was 16 men that was dead. Joshua called and said, there's something wrong. God made the promise and something's wrong. We bring the sick up before us and they fail to be healed. We need to call a solemn fast, call an assembly. Something's wrong somewhere. God made the promise. God's got to stick to that promise and he will do it. And he called a fast, and they found out the castle lots, and Achan confessed it, and they killed Achan family and all, and burnt their ashes, and left it there for a memorial. And Joshua went right on through the battles, taking everything without a scratch or a wound. There you are. One day he had needed a little time, extra time. The sun was going down. The man couldn't fight very good at nighttime. Joshua, that great warrior, anointed of God, positionally placed into the land, like Ephesians to the new church, possessing the land, taking it over. He needed some time. So he said, son, stand still. And she stood still for about 12 hours until he took the land. See? Now, the book of Ephesians placed us positionally in Christ, what they was in the Holy Land. We are placed not in the Holy Land, but in the Holy Ghost. Now, let us read just a word. See how perfect the church is. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, Oh, I like that. God made him an apostle. No elders laid hands on him. No bishops sent him anywhere. But God called him and made him an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, sanctified ones, which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Watch how he addresses this. This is not to the unbelievers. This is to the church. It's called to the called out ones, the sanctified and called ones that are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you want to know how we get in Christ Jesus, if you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, it said... For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. How? Baptized by what? The Holy Ghost. Not by water baptism, you Church of Christ people, but by one, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, by one Spirit, not by one handshake, by one letter, not by one sprinkle, but by one spirit. Amen. 
We are all baptized into one body. Our possession, the land that God give us to live in, the Holy Ghost, just as He give Canaan to the Jews, He's give us the Holy Spirit. By one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. You get it? Now he's talking to the spiritual Canaanites. Israel, the spiritual Israel who has possessed the land. Oh, aren't you glad you come out of Egypt's garlic? (laughs) Aren't you glad you're out of the wilderness? And remember, they had to eat manna, angels' food out of heaven, until they crossed over into the land. And when they crossed over into the land, the manna ceased to fall. They were fully matured then, and they eat the old corn of the land. Amen. Now, now that you're not babies anymore, now that you're not desiring the censor milk of the gospel, that you don't have to be babied and patted and persuaded to come to church, now that you're real, fully matured Christians, you're ready to eat strong meats now. Amen. You're ready to come into something, he said. You're ready to understand something that's deep and rich. Oh, we'll get into it directly and all. Oh, it's been hidden since the foundation of the world. He said, now that you've come into this, I'm addressing this to you. Not to those who've just left Egypt. Not to those who are still in the journey. But to those who are in the promised land. That has received the promise. How many has received the promise of the Holy Ghost? Aren't you glad that you're in the land? Over here now eating the old corn. Eating the strong things of God. Got a clear understanding. You're... Your spiritual mind is all unmuddled up. You know exactly who he is. You know exactly what he is. You know exactly where you're going. You know exactly all about it. You know in whom you have believed and persuaded he's able to keep that which you've committed to him against the day. Oh, that's the one. That's who Paul's talking to now. Listen close. Now watch. The faithful in... Christ Jesus. Now let me have the church to repeat that. How do we get into Christ? By joining church. No. By putting our name on a book. No. By being baptized by immersing. No. How do we get into Christ? By one's Holy Spirit. Are we all baptized into one promise, the body. Amen. And are partakers of all that belongs into the land. Amen. Amen. Oh, I, I like that. If it wasn't a horse, I could shout. Ah, <laughs> uh, when I get in this land, it's mine. I'm home now. I'm in Canaan. I'm subject to anything God wants to use me for. I'm walking on holy ground. Hallelujah. A child of the king. Amen. All rope and ready. 
I've come out of Egypt, come up to the promised land, stood the trials, passed over Jordan into this blessed promise. Hallelujah. Oh, how did I get it? By one spirit. The same way Paul got it. Acted on me the same way it did on him. Same way it did on you. Amen. By one spirit. We are all baptized. Hallelujah. Not sprinkled. Just a little sprinkle of it feel pretty good, but immersed under. Amen. Oh, maybe can swim under. Amen. And the Holy Ghost. That's the promise. Our Ephesians, our Joshua, which is the Holy Spirit. Joshua means Jesus, Savior, Joshua, meaning the Holy Spirit representing it in the spiritual as that was in the natural, that he is our great warrior. Amen. He's our great leader. As God was with Joshua, so is God in the Holy Spirit moving us about. And when sin comes in the camp, the Holy Spirit demands a halt. What's wrong here in this church? Something's wrong. Oh, can't you see how we got too many sons of Kish now? Too many Sauls coming from seminaries and theological schools and going out and teaching this perverse things as the Bible said they would do, seemingly not having the faith separating themselves from you, having no fellowship with you, so forth. Having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof from such turn away. They don't know where they come from. They can't give any reason. I say this from Brother Booth Cliver and a friend of mine. If there's anything that's an ill, illegitimate, un-God created, anything in the world is a mule. A mule is the lowest of all things. He is a, he don't know what he is. He cannot produce himself no more. A mule cannot be bred to another mule and become a mule. He's finished. He don't know where his papa come from, neither does he know his mama. Or he is a little, a little donkey and a mare horse. God never did that. Don't you lay such as that onto God. God never done that. God said everything shall bring forth of its kind. Amen. Yes, sir. But a mule is a, a, his papa was a donkey and his mama was a mare horse. So he don't know what he does belong to. He, he, he's a horse trying to be a mule or a mule or, or he's a horse trying to be a donkey, a donkey trying to be a horse. He don't know where he does belong. And he is a hard-headed thing there is in the world. You can never put a bit of trust to him. And that's the way a lot of people are in church. They don't know who their papa is. They don't know who their mama is. The only thing they know, they're either Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, or Pentecostal or something. They don't know where they come from. And an old donkey, you can just holler at him as much as you want to holler at him. He'll stand there and stick them big ears out and look. You can preach to them all night long and they don't know a bit more when they left than what they did when they come in. Now that's just right. 
I don't mean to be rude, but I want to tell you the truth. But there's one thing they can do. They're good workers. Oh, they just work, 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 work. That puts me in the mind of a bunch of these Armenians that's always trying to work their way into heaven. That's right, a mule. All the ladies' aid society and this chicken supper for the pay the preacher. We got to have this dance and this social. It's just work, 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 work. And they, what are they working for? Ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They stick out their ears and don't know where they belong. What do you mean? What did all this, what do you mean, the Holy Ghost? I never heard nothing about it. Oh, you must be some kind of fanatic. See, they don't know who Papa was or who Mama was either. And you have to beat them on everything you do. Beat here and beat there and beat here and beat there. That's right, an old mule. But I tell you, you don't have to do that by a real fair-bedded horse. Just crack the whip over him one time and, brother, he's gone. He knows what he's doing. Oh, how fine it is to ride a thoroughbred. How nice it is that? Come on, boy. Oh, man. You better hold tight. He'll leave the saddle in the air. That's the way it is with real thoroughbred Christians. Hallelujah. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Gone. Just as quick as they can get to the water, they're gone. They can't rest day and night until they receive the Holy Ghost. Why? You know a Christian knows who his papa was? See, it takes two to make a birth. That's right, papa and mama. The mule don't know which was Papa, which was Mama. But we know who Papa and Mama was. For we were born of the written word of God confirmed by the Spirit. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, If you will repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And brother, a real born-again Christian, oh my, he's spirited as soon as he gets the word, he receives the Holy Ghost. Ask him something then. He knows where he's standing. Do you believe in divine healing? Amen. You believe in the second coming? Amen. Ask the mule The mule religion. I don't know. Dr. Jones said one time, oh, there, go on at your soul. See? Oh, they don't know. Well, I tell you, my church is not sure of it. Oh, brother, but a born-again man and woman is just as sure of the coming of the Lord Jesus. They're just as sure they got the Holy Ghost as there is a Holy Ghost to be given. Ah, Jesus said to the woman at the well, we worship in this mountain and the Jews worship at Jerusalem. He said, Woman, hear my words. The hour is coming and now is when the Father seeketh those that will worship him in the spirit and the truth. Thy word is the truth. Yeah, my and every man that will read the Bible and believe every word that Bible says, 
and follow its instructions and receive the same Holy Ghost that they received, the same way they received it, same results they received it, same power they got when they received it. He knows who his papa and mama was. He knows he's washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, born of the Spirit, filled with God's unction. He knows where he's standing. Sure, he's in Canaan. He knows where he come from. That's the way it is with a real Christian. Ask him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen, brother. <laughs> Stand the other day by an old saint, 92 years old, talking to her 80-year-old pastor. I said, Grandma, just as bright as she could be, she said, yes, my son. I said, how long has it been since you received the Holy Ghost? She said, glory to God, about 60 years ago I got it. <laughs> now, she'd been a mule. She'd said, now, wait a minute. I was confirmed and sprinkled when I was, well, certain. And they take me into the church, and I took my letter over to some home. They don't even know where they belong. But she know where her birthright come from. She was there when it happened. She was born of the water and of the Spirit. She knowed, and the water through the washing of the water by the Word. Takes the Word. Now watch how this is addressed. To those that are in Christ Jesus. Paul, now remember, I'm taking a long time, but I ain't going to get through this chapter. But I heard. You like it? Yeah. It tells us where we are. Yes. But we can't do it in just one night. We need a month or two of this. Yes. Every night, just go right yes. through it, word yes. by word. Amen. Go back and bring it up in the histories and lay it right out, word by word, and show you that it's the truth. Now, let me read that verse quickly again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, not the will of man, to the saints which are in Ephesus and conjunction to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Means they've been called out, separated, and I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit and are in Christ Jesus. I'm addressing this epistle to you, my beloved ones. Oh, I think of Paul over there with him right now. Oh, how happy. That little old apostle had his head chopped off down there. I stood by the place where they chopped his head off. But oh, his head's on in that new body and can never be chopped off again. And he's standing over there with him this very minute. The same apostle wrote this and said to you that are in Christ Jesus, by one spirit we're all baptized into this one body. I watch. Grace be unto you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all. <laughs> Do you hear that, John? Has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, not just some to the apostles and some to this. But he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. 
the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Ghost here tonight. The same Holy Ghost that made Mary shout and speak with tongues and have a wonderful time and rejoice and the things that she did is the same Holy Ghost here tonight. The same Holy Ghost that let Paul and that old ship where it looked like his waterlogged is gone and 14 days and nights, no moon and stars. Looked out there and never wave had a devil on it glancing and in his teeth and said, I'll sink you, old boy, now. I got you now. While Paul went out to have a little prayer, there stood an angel and said, Don't you fear, Paul. <laughs> this old ship's going to be wrecked up on a certain island. Go ahead and eat your supper. It's all right now. Here he come with them chains on his little arms, dragging him on his feet and said, Be of a good courage, man. For the God, the angel of God whose servant I am, stood by me and said, Paul, don't you fear? That same Holy Ghost is here tonight. Amen. Same Amen. Spirit of God ministering to us the same spiritual blessings. Bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Oh, let's stop just one more minute here. In heavenly places. Not just not out anywhere, but in heavenly places. We are a symbol in heavenly. It means that the position of the believer, that if I'm prayed up, you're prayed up, or the church is prayed up, and we're ready for the message, and we have assembled ourselves together as saints called out, baptized with the Holy Ghost, filled with God's blessings, called, elected, set together in heavenly places. Now, we are heavenlies in our souls. Oh, our man. spirits has brought us into a heavenly atmosphere. Oh, brother. There you are. A heavenly atmosphere. Oh, what could happen tonight? What could happen tonight? If we would be sitting here in a heavenly atmosphere and the Holy Spirit moving over every heart that's been regenerated and become a new creature in Christ Jesus, all sins under the blood in perfect worship with our hands up to God and our hearts lifted, setting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus Worshiping together in the heavenly places. Did you ever set one? Oh, I have set till I would weep for joy and say, God, never let me leave here. Just heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Blessing us with what? Divine healing, foreknowledge, revelation, visions, powers, Tongues, interpretations, wisdom, knowledge, all the heavenly blessings and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Every heart filled with the Spirit, walking together, setting together in heavenly places. Not one evil thought among us, not one cigarette smoke, not one short dress. Not one this, that, or the other. Not one evil thought. Nobody got anything against one another. 
Everybody speaking in love and harmony. Everybody with one accord in one place. Then suddenly there come from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. There you are. Has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Then the Holy Spirit might fall upon somebody and say, Thus saith the Lord, go to a certain place and do a certain thing. Watch it happen just like that. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, do a certain thing in a certain place. Watch it happen like that. Blessed us together in all heavenly blessings and heavenly places. Watch. According as he has chosen us. Did we choose him or he chose us? He chose us when? The night that we accepted him? Chosen according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in denominations in love when did God choose us when did God choose you that's got the Holy Ghost when did he choose you before the foundation of the world by his foreknowledge he foresaw you and know that you love him and before there was a foundation of the world he chose you and sent Jesus that he might be the propitiation of your sins to call you to reconciliation to himself to love oh wish we had just a few more minutes time let me before we go any further go back Genesis 1 26 I'll pick it up Wednesday When God made man, before he made man, he called himself L-E-L-L-E-L-H-L-O-L-O-M. The word means in the Hebrew, the self-existence all by himself. Nothing existed before him. He was all the existence he ever was. Self-existence one. El Elohim means the all-sufficient, all-powerful, almighty, self-existence, one. But in Genesis 2, when he made man, he said, I am Y-A-H-U-J-U-V-U-H, Yahuwah, Jehovah. What did it mean? I am the all-existence one who has created something all for myself to be a son of mine or a temporary or an amateur little one of mine. Uh Why? He gave man. Jehovah means that he gave man to be an amateur God. Because he is Father God, and he made a man an amateur God, so he isn't self-existence anymore. He exists with his family. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 now, now 
Almighty is Jehovah. Jehovah meaning the one who exists with his family. Now, God made man to be the predominant over all the earth. He had dominion. And the earth was man's dominion. Is that scripture? Amen. Then if that's his domain, he was God over the earth. He could speak and it would be so. He could speak this and it would be so. <laughs> there he is. God Jehovah. The one who once existed in self-existence, but now exists with his family and his little ones with him. Amen. There you are. Hallelujah. Now read that. We'll get into it Wednesday night when we got more time. We just about 15 more minutes, and we'll. I thought I'd get to a certain spot here, but uh, we won't. So where we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. All right. Now, when was we called to be servants of God? When was Arbel Neville called to be a servant of God? Oh, this staggers me. I'll tell you, let's get some scriptures. I want you to get 1 Peter uh, 120 and uh, Pat, get Revelation 17, 8, and uh, I'll get Revelation 13. Now we want to listen here. You want to know when God called you to be a Christian. Oh, I love this. This man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All right, Brother Neville, you got First Peter 120? But read 119 and 120. Listen to this. 119 and 20. Yes. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. When was he foreordained? Before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Brother Pat, read Revelation 17, 8 for me. Beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Who's going to be deceived? Who's going to be deceived by this religious person like Saul was? That was just so cunning and so perfect to it would deceive thee what very e if possible. If possible. All right. Revelation 13, 8. Let me read it for you. And all that dwell upon the earth shall all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names were not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain. Before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. When was our names put in the Lamb's book of life? When the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. When God was Jehovah El Elohim, the self-existence one, just like one great big diamond. 
and he could not be nothing else but inside of this diamond his attributes was a savior amen in this attributes on the inside of him was a healer Hallelujah. well there was nothing to save and nothing to heal but his attributes produced it so then before the foundation of the world when he knew that the great display in here of him that the, he would be a savior that he would come and be made flesh and dwell among us and he knew by his stripes would be healed he slayed the lamb on his book before the foundation of the world and wrote your name on Amen. that Amen. book before the foundation of the world Amen Listen to this. Predestination looks back to foreknowledge. I mean election. Election looks back to foreknowledge and predestination looks to destiny. Don't forget that. That election looks back here here it is. I was a cockaber. I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, born among sinners. Father and mother and all my whole family sinners. I was a cucklebird. But all of a sudden, I become a wheat grain. <laughs> How did it happen? Uh, that, what is that? Election. God, before the foundation of the world, elected that the cucklebird was to become a grain of wheat. Now I know I'm a grain of wheat because I'm saved. How do I do it? Look back and see that he predestinated it. Long time ago, by foreknowledge, he seen that I would love him. So he made a propitiation to his own son that through him I might become from a cockabird to a grain of wheat. Now, where am I at now? I'm saved. I'm walking in the grace of God. What does predestination look to destiny? Where will he take me to and where am I going? <laughs> That's got you. There you are. Now, let's read just a little farther. And then we'll have to close pretty sharply. According as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption, predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will what did he do he by foreknowledge foresaw us knowing that he was a savior self-existence there was no angels no nothing just god elohim the self-existence one nothing but him alone but in him was a savior well, what's he going to say? There's nothing lost. Knowing that, then he knew that this great attribute in him would project something out down there that he could save. Then when he did that, by foreknowledge, he looked down and he saw everyone that would accept it. And then by doing so, he said to save that the only way I can do it will be come down myself and be made flesh and take the sin of the man upon him and die for him 
that I might be the one that's worshiped because he is God, the object of worship. Amen. Then he came down and taken up on himself. And while he did that, he did that, that he might save you who wants to be saved. Do you see what I mean? By foreknowledge, Amen. the infinite God, who knows all things, saw the Lamb, and he slayed the Lamb before the foundation of the world, and he put your name on the Lamb's book of life, and he seen the deceitfulness of Satan, what he would do. So he put your name on there, and he said that the Antichrist would be so religious, so good, yes. such a fine fellow, yes. such a smart man. Yes such a religious man that he would deceive the very elected if it was possible, but it isn't impossible because their names were foreordained before the foundation of the world. By election, he chose them, and by predestination, they know where they are going. Now, who could doubt that? That's what Paul said. That's Paul's scripture. That's Paul's writing. That's what he taught his church. The church, positionally, before the foundation of the world, when God in his labor pain was bringing forth, bringing forth you, knowing what you would do, he positionally placed you into his own body. Amen. To be a housewife to be a farmer, to be a preacher, to be a prophet, to be this or to be that. He placed you positionally. Then, when we have come from the garlic lands of Egypt through sanctification and baptized into the promised land, for the promise of God is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. Amen. Then God having predestinated the church, he said, and all the peoples there will be millions times millions that will walk very religious and be deceived. Yeah. The only ones that will not be deceived will be those that have come over into the promised land who before the foundation of the world had their names put on the Lamb's book of life and come over into the promised land and enjoying it. Amen. Many people are afraid you're going to act funny. Many people are afraid the Holy Ghost will make you do something you'll be ashamed of people. Many people are afraid they'll cry and their sweetheart will see them crying. Or mama or your neighbor or your boss will see you. Let me tell you about a man one time before closing. That was a man named David. And when the ark of God had been down in the foot. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand clap. <laughs> Musicians come. There are a couple statements. I've, I've heard it all the time, but just in, in, in the context of where we are, and there was a couple of things he said. Before the foundation of the world, he knew that you would love him. He knew that you would want to be saved. 
and he saw the deceitfulness of Satan, therefore he predestinated you. Making a way when everybody else doesn't have a way. Oh, I, I, I love that, friends. God's love is way beyond any other love. If we could just recognize it. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, my. We could sing many things. Let's just sing. Isn't he, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Eyes have seen, ears have heard what's recorded God's Word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful eyes have seen, ears have heard. 